what I know really well is how to show up for other people. What I know makes me feel worthy is when I give people what they want. What I know how to do is to set up a day that's going to make everybody feel great, but leave me feeling depleted. And so that known factor, while it is not always what's going to make us feel best, not always what's going to get us from burnout to recovery, it is the thing that <laughs> it is the thing that makes us feel in control. Hello, hi, I'm Erin Vandevin. Thanks for joining me today. This is Medium Lady Talks. This podcast is about figuring out the medium effort way to get the most out of life today. I hope the things I unpack here can role model and invite you to sort out your own ways to live life in the present. This is a show about experimenting to get closer to what matters most. I'm glad you're here, so let's settle in. Hello, hi, and welcome to Medium Lady Talks. I'm your host, Erin. This is episode 72. We are going to talk about how to start your burnout recovery. So if you listened to last week's episode, episode 71, which was all about healing and the cringe factor, I would encourage you to listen to this episode before you dive into today's episode. What we talked about in that episode is about my own journey over the last three years and how that has increased my ability to feel confident that I deserve healing. And that confidence has allowed me to make imperfect and wholehearted progress through that journey. And looking back, I've been able to see the ways that my beliefs about what I deserved got in my own way and delayed in a lot of ways my healing. And because my healing was delayed, my suffering was prolonged. So when you take those meaningful steps towards caring for yourself, you start to hear more and more of what you think over the voices that ask, what will everyone else think? And I said this in episode 71, is what you start to do is to tune into the frequency of the voice that cares what you think. And you start to trust what you think. You start to like what you think. And you like what your own voice and your own point of view has to offer about your life. And you will get to a place where that voice can't be ignored and will take up the majority of your inner thoughts. And I've said in last week's episode is I'm not there yet, but I do trust that it's happening for me and I can feel it when I take more risks and I make more clear bids for attention and support or I defend what I want with less explanation. And last week's episode was hard for me to publish. It was perhaps what I felt like was a little bit more out there, a little bit more woo-woo, a little bit less practical than the types of information that I like to share on Medium Lady. You know, if you listen to my episodes on goal setting or my episodes on planning your month, those are all what I like to see as really practical, tangible parts of the content pillars that you can rely on me for. And I felt like last week's episode was maybe I over-worried about what you would think of it. And <laughs> I did have to overcome that voice that said, People will judge you for this episode and instead lean into what I really liked about the episode, what I felt like I needed to say for that episode, and what I felt like I and the audience needed to hear. And it was a really great experience of trusting my own gut because later on in the week, I needed to re-listen to that episode and to understand about my own healing journey and caring what people think and asking for support or taking up space in a way that was uncomfortable, 
I was right back to that place. I was feeling kind of uncomfortable about the ways I was taking up space and I was receiving messages that maybe I was taking up space in the wrong way. And I had to kind of ground into that feeling of discomfort. And instead of retreating to a really small comfort zone, I had to think about what I've learned over the last three years and put it into practice. Instead of being scared, I had to navigate where I've grown. I think it's given me all the more encouragement to proceed with today's episode, which hopefully will get a little bit closer to those practical ways that you can pursue healing. When it comes to taking steps towards your healing, spending less time with that people-pleasing armor on, I think that the how of it all can feel a little bit daunting. You may have listened to episode 71 last week and you may have said, okay, Erin, you've convinced me. You've convinced me, Erin. I agree with you. I'm ready to put forth the medium effort that it might require to navigate from my comfort zone past this fear zone into a place where I can learn and heal. When I say listen more to your own voice and listen less to what other people think, I'm not saying don't care about anyone. I'm not saying disregard the needs and opinions of people you care about. What I am saying is I am saying that it is okay to put what you need ahead of others when it comes to recovery from burnout and rediscovering your identity. So if you are recovering from burnout, if you are rediscovering your own identity, that is a case where it is okay to care more about what you think and to worry less about the judgment of others. So how, again, I said this episode would be about how, how do you take meaningful steps to listen to your own voice above those that have been ruling your decision making for potentially your whole life? So this takes time. It takes gentle baby steps. And we're going to walk through a few, a few things to keep in mind right now. The first how is to remember that you don't need permission. Or if you do need permission, it is from yourself. And I like to see permission as coming through affirmations. So here are a few helpful affirmations about healing. And I like to see affirmations as a permission slip. Here's the one. I am deserving of rest and rejuvenation. My well-being is a priority. The people who care about me acknowledge that my well-being is a priority. Here's another one. I embrace the power of saying no to commitments that drain my energy because my time and my energy are precious and limited resources. Here's another one. I am on my way to cultivating self-compassion and treating myself with kindness and understanding and receiving that kindness and understanding from others. Here's one that's really, really straightforward. I am open to receiving help and support from others, and I recognize that asking for help is a sign of my strength and not of my weakness. Here's another one. I create a balanced routine that includes self-care, rest, and time for activities that bring me fulfillment, even if this routine takes time away from serving others. I don't know. How do you feel about those? How do those make you feel in your body? Pay attention to, and if you need to just kind of pull the podcast back a few, a few minutes, think about those and think about the opportunities to trust your body and the signals your body gives you when you listen to some of those those affirmations. I'm going to be sharing more of those affirmations on Instagram at medium.lady, and I hope that they are a meaningful tool for you. I think that we're trying to move the cultural conversation from affirmations being something woo-woo and esoteric to something that is really useful in shifting mindset, a really useful way of changing the filters that your brain continues to look for. If your brain is looking for permission to heal, then telling your brain, 
I deserve rest and well-being allows your brain to navigate the pathway towards that permission with greater ease. Here is another way to take meaningful steps. Here's another part of the how. You can take meaningful steps to your own voice and listening to your own voice by identifying the objective negative opinions people might have. The key word here, I think, is objective. What objectively might happen when you turn down your people-pleasing nature and you lean into authentic vulnerability and taking up space? I think that some of the things that we're scared of happening might not actually happen. So what are the objective negative opinions of people and, and whose opinion do you actually need to navigate and care about as you make your way to burnout recovery? I think you have to think about what might actually happen if you reach out to make an appointment with your doctor or therapist or ask for help to make sure that you can make it to that appointment. I think you need to think about what might actually happen if you take your family on an outing that you want to go to, but you think they won't care about. I think you have to think about what might actually happen if you go to an event alone. What might actually happen if you start to take medication? Because some of the reasons we don't do things is because we're worried about the what if. So what might happen if I reach out to make an appointment with my doctor or therapist? I might be put on hold. I might worry about judgment from the admin assistant. I might worry that that appointment will take too long. I might not be sure what to say when I get to that appointment. I might be worried that I might cry at the appointment. I might be worried that my doctor or therapist might say there's nothing wrong with me and that my suffering will just be prolonged because what if they don't believe me? These are subjective fears. And if we think objectively about what might actually happen is that the appointment might take a little time to find the right time in your calendar to get it fit in. That might be true. The appointment might be a little bit nerve wracking for you. You might not be sure what you're going to say. You might cry during the appointment. And objectively, um, you might need to ask someone to cover for you or to enable the time and space in your life to take that appointment. So those are objectively real things that might be hurdles to you. But some of the other things about the judgment of others or the ways people might tell you that there's nothing wrong with you or you might worry that somebody might be laughing at you, if those things are true, what are the ways that we can overcome those objective barriers, those subjective barriers? Is it to say, well, you know, I'm worthy of a therapy appointment even if the admin, you know, is judging me? Or I'm worthy of, you know, finding an appointment, finding a healthcare provider that believes me if the first provider doesn't believe me. And those are the ways to kind of make your way from a point of suffering and not making your way to healing because of those subjective what ifs and figuring out that some of these things have ways of overcoming those barriers and other things might be an objective reality that you'll be okay. They're scary, but you'll be okay. It is scary to make an appointment, but you'll be okay. It is scary to cry with a therapist, but you'll be okay. And so I think that that's, you know, kind of one of the things that, and maybe therapy is like super high stakes in the context of burnout and recovery. I think one of the things that I've alluded to a lot of the time is the effort that it requires to have fun. The effort is medium effort. It's not going to be perfect, 
But it's not going to happen by accident either. And that's why I say medium effort. It takes a little bit of medium effort to have the fun that you think will fill your soul. It takes a bit of medium effort to find the self-care that aligns with what your identity is really calling out for. So for the other example is, you know, take your family on an outing that you want to do, but you think they won't care about. This is something that gets in my way all the time is I think, you know, wouldn't it just be so nice to go to the botanical gardens? And then I think, well, no, I don't think my kids will really like that. So we won't go. But I think about objectively, what are the hurdles I have to get over? Well, I might have to get over my kids being whiny and wanting snacks. I could probably figure that out. I would probably have to give my husband, you know, a little bit of a pep talk, you know, like, this is something I really want to do. I think it's a beautiful day. I'd love to go see the flowers. And I think that perhaps I would have to figure out what's the best time of day, what's the parking situation, where are the bathrooms, you know, some of that kind of logistical barriers. Those logistical barriers can sometimes provide a lot of what ifs to us. What if we get there and there's no parking? What if we get there and we don't know where to pee? And that what if can shut us down emotionally to not even try. And and I think that if you've experienced that, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I think that's a really normal, normal experience to say like, I don't really know how this is going to go. So I'm not going to try because until I can know with certainty how things are going to work out, then I'd rather stay comfortable. I'd rather stay in the zone of the known factor. But the known factor is oftentimes where we're not nurturing ourselves, where we're not self-caring, where we're not fulfilling our identity, because the known factor is what I know really well is how to show up for other people. What I know makes me feel worthy is when I give people what they want. What I know how to do is to set up a day that's going to make everybody feel great, but leave me feeling depleted. And so that known factor, while it is not always what's going to make us feel best, not always what's going to get us from burnout to recovery, it is the thing that <laughs> it is the thing that makes us feel in control. It is the thing that makes us feel like we have a viable path towards worthiness. So I get it. I get when we think about things like the snacks, the bathrooms, the parking, and those quantities are unknown and they might make other people uncomfortable that we retreat to the known quantity. We retreat to the park that we know. We retreat to the activities we know everybody wants to do. We don't stick our neck out and say, this is something I want to try for fear that perhaps it doesn't work out. And then everyone's like, well, we did what you wanted and it sucked. And that potentially, <laughs> potentially we would be the focus of, of any of the discomfort that the other people around us had to participate in to give us an experience that we were excited about. Right now, my inner voice is telling me, you're overinflating this. You're, you're making too much of this. But, but I don't think I am. I don't think I am. I mean, I've been paying attention to the conversation about motherhood and burnout and millennials. And I think that there are some really real things that are keeping us fenced in to act in repetitive ways that we feel like keep everyone else okay. Hopefully, what I'm unpacking here is resonating with somebody out there who's saying, you know what, I actually never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. And I'm choosing the known quantity time and time again, because I feel like I'm not worth people being uncomfortable for. Here's another, let's talk about another example. So I've said that what we really want to do is to give you meaningful steps to listen more to your own voice and to navigate healing and recovery um, from your burnout. And how are you going to do that? Here's another example of how. 
You can spend time thinking about why healing is worth it to you. I think that we all know that when we ground ourselves into our values, when we ground ourselves into what matters to us, that making the next decision, it comes with more clarity. But it's actually knowing what matters to you that takes a little bit more time, I think, than we give credit for. These answers for me, why is healing worth it to you? The answer to that for me in the beginning of my healing journey was super complicated. Um, But the most simplest answer that I've come to after three years of this is I'm doing this because I deserve it. And I have to get back to that reason a lot because I come up against the loud voice that worries about the judgment of others constantly. The voice that is trying to look out for me but remembers that these past behaviors of people-pleasing and denying myself, those, those behaviors haven't gotten me out of my burnout. They haven't gotten me on my way to healing. The reason I'm pursuing a journey of healing is because I deserve it. And there's a voice that says, ah, 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 are you sure you deserve it? Are you sure you're allowed to say that you deserve it? That voice is a voice that seems like it's trying to keep me safe. But honestly, that voice that tells me to stay small and to not claim what I think is mine, that voice honestly keeps me in a cycle of suffering. So for me, I deserve healing and my healing is worth it because I really want to be able to recognize the present moment. I really want to be able to know what is aligned with my values and what isn't. I really want to get to know myself better so I can share the authentic person I am with the people I love not the shell or the mask that I share with them to keep them happy or to keep me safe. These are things that don't necessarily get me anything tangible except my own transcendence of suffering. And I had mentioned this in last week's episode is <laughs> you might think that that's like not even worth it, you know? And and I think if you're in that space, then just stay in that space. Stay in that space and think about all the reasons why it isn't worth it to you. Um, And think about where you are needing to value your safety, needing to value the happiness of others over your own happiness. I'm sure you'll come up with some reasons as to why that's benefiting you. And I think that's okay. There's really nothing wrong with that. Uh, And that kind of mental exercise might actually get you to a place where you can reconcile your people-pleasing behaviors with what is important to you. And I think that that's honestly okay. But but I believe with my full heart that everybody listening to this episode deserves healing and they deserve to take up space in the world because that space is made for them. When we take up the space in the world that's made for us, we are just filling the space that was waiting. We are not taking away from anybody else. And I really just believe that to my whole heart. And because I know that that's true, that is what gives me the courage and confidence to step into who I want to be, to get to know myself better, to share that authentic person with other people, and to take the risks that might come with the people who might not be happy when I share my authentic self. Okay, another way to make steps on your healing journey is to find a like-minded community. Find a courageous space, not just a safe space, but a brave space. I recently heard Brene Brown say this um, on Adam Grant's podcast. She said, a brave space is one where everyone can share who they are. Safety seems to kind of come at the exclusive membership of specific communities. And when we say it's a safe space, we have to ask, well, who's it safe for? So we're not necessarily thinking about safety. We're thinking about courageous, brave spaces where everybody welcomes self-compassion and non-judgment, 
I like to think the Medium Lady Talks community can be that for you on Instagram, but this might not resonate with you. And so your safe space might look like your sisters. It might look like your school mom's group chat. It might look like an unlikely camaraderie at the classes that you always wanted to take. Finding people who are open and willing to share how they're growing and what's working for them will allow you the space to share your own growth and a place to openly kind of test out those solutions that you know other people have tried. And I think that can be a little bit tricky because sometimes someone else's healing might seem more urgent or more important than yours. Or you might find yourself getting caught up in a scenario of trauma bonding. And that's really not what I'm talking about here. But I do see communities thriving online. And I think people follow because they know they can be seen. They know they can go to one place to have their struggles articulated. Um, I talked a lot about this feeling like a gap in the mom burnout conversation or the mom guilt conversation online. People who continue to position the struggle as a struggle without openly engaging in the conversations about solution building. I do kind of critique that kind of community building where we're just going to bond because of our collective struggle, not because of our collective healing. I think it's one way, you know, you see people join in the comments saying, oh, yes, I hate this. I'm suffering too. And it's like this Greek chorus that kind of agrees, all agrees with one another. But I find it hard to walk away from that kind of content without encouragement or a sense of identity or a sense of inspiration for my next best step. You know, there's no relief when everyone chimes in and says like, oh, this is so true or, you know, shares their high five emojis. There's no way to like proceed. There's no way to navigate your way out of the suffering. You know, maybe that's my own little rant on the mommy burnout trend. I really love those creators. But for community... I'm just not seeing a lot of healing happening for those folks. And uh, I think if you like what you're seeing or if you you like the mommy burnout trend, um, I would love it if you would reach out and connect with me over uh, in my DMs on Instagram. I'm always happy to hear from somebody who agrees with me or somebody who disagrees with me. Like I said before, I'm really trying to step into my fullest identity and that always requires engaging with the candid conversations of people who uh, don't agree and they have their own identity, which is great. So we talked about finding community. We talked about spending time thinking about why healing is worth it to you. We talked about identifying the objective challenges or the objective negative opinions, not what you're scared of, not the what ifs. And we talked about actively filtering your brain with affirmations that give you permission to pursue healing. So let's talk about a few more. So this may sound strange, but it's one of the most practical things I'm going to talk about today. And you can actually set goals for your healing and track your progress. Perhaps I'm using the word healing really arbitrarily in this episode. Basically, what I mean is feeling better in a more sustainable way than how you're feeling now. That's healing. If we want to answer, am I feeling better when it comes to taking risks and putting yourself out there, putting your identity ahead of the feelings of others, then If that's your goal, you want to check in and see that it's actually moving the needle on your healing. You actually want to know that putting yourself out there is helping you feel better. I do have two episodes on goal setting that aren't particularly about healing at all, but I'll break down my goal setting structure here. So the first is specifics. So I'll know I'm healing when I wake up ready to start the day and not already dreading life until bedtime. Or I'll know I'm healing when I attend a ballet class without skipping a week to accommodate my family. Or I'll know I'm healing when I find a therapist that is a good fit for me. 
So that's specifics. I'll know I'm healing when, who, what, when, where, how. The next is frequency. I want to wake up ready to start the day by going to bed at 10 p.m. and starting my evening routine at 9 p.m. I won't scroll or binge Netflix as self-soothing and trading off on my sleep. Or something like this. The frequency of the ballet class one goes like this. I want to attend four ballet classes in a row in order to gain the skills and progress through the routine. I'll need to leave an hour early so I can commute to the studio and have 20 minutes to warm up. That's the frequency of the action required to um, attend ballet class without skipping. Okay, and the one to do with the therapist. So I will know after three sessions with a therapist that it's a good fit. That's how I'll know I'm healing when I find a therapist that's a good fit for me. And the frequency I'm looking for are three really good sessions. So specifics, frequency, and accountability. Finally, the accountability one. So this one is about the person who is going to wake up without dreading the day. I will ask my partner to set a timer on their phone to remind me to head to bed at nine. I will also review my screen time audit once a week to see how much time I'm spending on my phone after 10 p.m. And I will also install an app that helps me manage scrolling and helps me track my habit. So that accountability piece is how am I showing up for the frequency related to the specific goal that I have related to healing? Here's another one. This is related to the ballet class one. I will ask my partner to come home early on the nights with ballet class, and I will leave dinner for them to plan. I will ask a friend to sign up with me so we can hold each other accountable. So this is just about getting to those four classes in a row in order to not skip weeks to accommodate your family. You leave things with your partner to support you, and you ask a friend to show up with you. Here's the one about therapy and finding a therapist that's a good fit. The accountability can go something like this. I'll ask my best friend to ask me explicitly about therapy. I will ask her to check in weekly and to see how things are going. And I will use specific tools online to evaluate if the therapist is a good fit. I think the accountability part of your goal of healing is the cringy part. I bet many of you had a reaction to some of the things I suggested, like, you know, leaving dinner for your partner to plan while you traipse off to ballet class. I think that is the exact thing that is getting in the way of us making meaningful change. Our healing will come at the effort of those who support us. That's a really good thing. That's a gift. There may be some who don't show up for us, and you might be scared that that's going to happen. I think it's probably, hopefully, a risk that you might be over-inflating in your brain in order to keep you safe. Let me walk through my own cringe, and and that was actually to start this podcast. The, The cringe that I had to make my way through to start this podcast. The podcast has been a really special part of my own healing journey trusting my voice, trusting that I have something to offer the world in a weekly episode. No one gave me permission to start my podcast. I had to take it for myself. And it took me 10 years to get over the cringe. And I've shared before that there are still there are still very few times when I will volunteer to people that I have a podcast. It is something that I usually keep a lid on. And that is because I worry about the judgment of others. But Nevertheless, the goal of the podcast was the discovery of my own identity by making something that was just for me, that I was passionate about, and that would help me express my creativity. And I wanted to be in conversation with other people who are like me. So I specifically wanted to do that through a podcast. That was the specifics. In terms of the frequency, well, I was going to have to record, edit, and post the podcast. I was going to have to protect the time to do so. And at first, I actually tried to do my podcast recordings in a way where my family would never notice my absence. 
And that that went out the window really quickly. I I had to say that actually became impossible. I, I just had to be honest and say, hey, I'm recording. I have a podcast. You know, the frequency of asking for time or editing while my family was surrounding me has just over time become the norm for how I spend my free time. Even when everyone is home, even when all of my kids are awake. As I record right now, my husband has gone to do groceries with the kids and my dog is sleeping and snoring right across from me. Maybe you can hear him, maybe you can't. But that was just kind of like the way our Saturday fell out while I record during uh, Beckett's nap. Accountability. So accountability for the podcast. Well, once I made a podcast, I had to tell people about it. Well, I guess, I mean, I guess I didn't have to. But it seemed like part of the cringe of having a podcast was to invite people to listen and to engage with my content. And that was so hard. Asking you, the listener, to like and subscribe week over week or inviting people to listen to specific episodes or suggesting episodes to people when I think they'll address what they're struggling with. That is still so cringe. I actually I don't know if I'll ever get over that. And and the reason it's so cringy is because I worry, what if someone says, like, you have a podcast? Who are you to have a podcast? And maybe some people have said that, but thankfully, they've never said it to my face. And here we are, 72 episodes later. I don't think I'll ever stop feeling cringy when I put myself out there. Each episode I publish, each time I ask you to listen, there is a small feeling that comes up that tells me to make myself smaller and to take up less space for myself. But it is also through 72 episodes that we find ourselves here. And I find myself here, maybe is a better way of saying that. And it does get easier while it never completely goes away. And it getting easier is healing. I am sustainably feeling better than I was feeling three years ago. And that is how I know that I have achieved healing. And a part I have achieved healing through the creative expression of my podcast. Here's another way to navigate your way to healing is to trust that embracing your uniqueness will lead to recovery. And to trust that your recovery will benefit your community, your family, and the world. Healing is, by definition, transcending suffering. At least that is what you'll traditionally find consistently in the academic literature. So to transcend suffering, you have to do it in a way that is authentic to who you are or in a way that is getting to know your authentic self. Healing is not holding tight to perfectionism and people-pleasing so that we know we're doing everything right and we finally figured it out and we can go ahead and relax. That's not healing. Healing is not striving for a more perfect version of who you are now. It is transcending your experience now, but it doesn't require you to abandon yourself. In fact, abandoning yourself time and time again for the expectations of others and the approval of others is exactly what got you to the place of burnout and overwhelm in the first place. Tuning into your uniqueness and then celebrating it is the direct link in the ladder that takes you up and above your present experience towards healing. This is, this is not a directly vertical path, so I'm, I'm using this vision of the ladder, but um, potentially, I guess that's a whole other podcast episode. Hiding your true self so that you don't get hurt or rejected is very normal. You will have to fight against it a bit, because that is the gravity keeping you on the ground. And as you lift out of burnout, you have to fight that fear of being hurt or rejected. Those are old defense mechanisms. If I don't show who I am, no one can judge me. But that is also allowing yourself only a small shell to function and live within, and you really deserve more than that. You know, I'm saying the way that you make your way to healing is through trust. And focusing on trust and focusing on trusting that 
Your uniqueness is the key to unlocking your ability to transcend suffering. One of the final ways I'm going to talk about how you can heal or how you can pursue healing from your burnout is think of it as cultivating, not confidence, although I've used the word confidence earlier on in this episode. Think about it not as confidence, but about cultivating self-awareness. So you might think about making your way towards healing as being this self-serving practice that will erase your humility or have you strutting around everywhere acting like you found the solutions to the world's problems. You know, we know people who have opened up areas of their lives and then for better or for worse, they want to spread the gospel. (laughs) Maybe I'm that person. Is it me? Hi, I'm the problem. I don't know. I hope not. But I mean, remember, we are not going to journey to a place of false modesty or bravado or overconfidence. The journey to healing is about living in a space that is more self-aware. Self-awareness can often look like confidence externally, but I want you to imagine that the inner experience of being more comfortable in your own skin, being more able to acknowledge when your actions come from a place of soothing your inner child, or being able to acknowledge when your actions come from a voice that is harsh and judgmental, and then all that awareness helping you find the balance as an interested observer who can pick apart what is truly authentic to you and what is coming from those other inner persona. And I think maybe this is getting a little too youngian. I get it. So here, I've got an example that I think will simplify this idea. I want you to imagine getting an email from your boss on a report that you've submitted. Your boss has made some edits and asked for something that was missing. And you weren't aware that they wanted that included. So here's how that goes with those three people, the inner child, the inner critic, and the inner observer. And this is self-awareness. This is all happening internally. First, your inner child wants to email the boss apologizing profusely to ask for more details or a meeting so that nothing is missed. The second go around. The inner child wants to ask colleagues for examples of previous work as a shield against criticism. The second potential inner experience, and I think all of these, I've had all of these experiences at once, is the inner critic. The inner critic spends way too much time deeply unpacking the report and judging yourself, but also judging your boss for leaving out the details that they wanted. Your inner critic maybe forwards the boss the email thread that was missing the new detail, you know, per your last email, you know, those, those you know, fantastic passive aggressive follow-up questions because the boss has suggested that something was missing and the boss has made some edits. Essentially, we feel like the boss is telling us we're not perfect. And then the last one is the inner observer. So the inner observer recognizes where both the child and the critic are responding from. The inner observer acknowledges that we authentically value being efficient and organized and using opportunities to support the mission of the department in our work. Those are the things that are authentically a part of who we are. I value being efficient. I value being organized. And does this email from my boss signify that I am not those things that are important to me? You kind of take a check. I think that then the inner observer recognizes that we are still living up to those values, even if our boss provides edits, and even if our boss asks for new content to the report. We are still efficient and organized. We're still living up to our values in the existing circumstances. Nothing really needs to change. So that's the process of self-awareness that you get to when you're on that healing journey, when you're healing both your inner child And you're healing your inner critic because those two things, if you, you know, lean into super people pleaser mode, it's exhausting and you get burnt out. You can lean into inner critic mode and you can start to judge yourself and judge your boss. That's super exhausting and that leads to burnout. So those two pathways without healing those with your inner observer, they can both lead to burnout. 
your outward response when you're making steps towards healing seems like confidence. It looks like an email reply to your boss that says, great, thank you for the feedback. I'm happy to get those changes to you by end of day. Let me know if there's anything else that would enhance the report. And that's it. No other explanation. No apologies. No per your last email. In this response, and I think if this response makes you cringe, that is great. (laughs) If that response made you cringe, it means you're in the right place. It made me cringe a little bit. I'll be totally honest with you. Inwardly, you've achieved healing because you didn't spiral. You didn't spend extra time suffering, involving yourself in people-pleasing or placating and ignoring your own subject matter expertise and scurrying around to keep your boss happy or to involve others to help you. You also didn't spend time suffering through the inner dialogue or self-judgment and criticism replaying your failures and faults or worrying about your performance. And nor did you spend time judging your boss and suffering through anger and resentment. So (laughs) this is one small example of how self-awareness breeds healing. And externally, that looks like confidence, but internally, the process is super different. Those are my, I guess we maybe had like six or seven different ways to talk about the how, the how of the healing journey. How do you take steps towards healing and spending less time with your people-pleasing armor on or judging and spending time resenting others? How do you take steps to get to that gentle inner observer who can respond with self-awareness and a sense of where your own life is adding value and where you're okay to take up space in the world. So these are some of the things that we talked about. Remembering that you don't need permission and using affirmations as a way to filter your brain to look for that permission in the world. Number two, identify the objective negative opinions people might have, not what you're actually scared of happening, but what might actually happen. Number three, spending time thinking about why healing is actually worth it to you and acknowledging if maybe it's not worth it. Number four, finding a like-minded community. Number five, setting goals for your healing and tracking your progress. And I've made some references to some of the ways that I like to set goals using specifics, frequency, and accountability. Trust, building trust with embracing your uniqueness. And seven, thinking about cultivating self-awareness that might externally look like confidence. That's all for today's episode. If you have feedback on healing and burnout recovery I would love to connect with you in my DMs over at Instagram. As I've said before, you know, I feel like this is a little bit of new ground for me. I feel like if I'm going to go back to that example of the space in the world that was made for me, I feel like I've made my way to like a gray zone of that space. I haven't perceived that on the map before. You know, if you've ever played a video game, as you play the video game, more areas of the map become revealed to you. And I feel like Potentially, I'm stepping into a new area of my own map, and that's really uncomfortable. So hopefully you recognize that what I'm doing is role modeling my own healing journey, is that I can find healing through developing uh, an ability to invite people to think about healing. (laughs) I can heal by talking about healing, I guess, is what I'm trying to say in the short way. And you know, I'm, I'm being really honest that that makes me feel vulnerable and uncomfortable, but it also makes me feel excited. And I also feel like it will be okay. My vulnerability and my discomfort are worth the trade-off of moving from my comfort zone to a new area of growth and opportunity for me. And if that helps you in any way at all, 
then it will have a thousand times been worth it. Thank you so much for your time and attention today. I want you to know how grateful I am for your participation in the Medium Lady Talks podcast and the fact that you're coming here to check in with me. And if I have anything of value to offer you, um, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you're here and that we are here together in this moment. I want you to remember you are doing such a good job wherever you are. I know that this is not easy and I talk about medium effort and mindful fun and I think that there is something about effort that doesn't necessarily mean ease and I know many people out there are really working really really hard and I know that that's oftentimes finding you in a space where you're struggling and I want you to know that that does not go unseen here at Medium Lady Talks. So with all that being said, I will sign off for today. I love you very, very much, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Please make sure to reach out and connect on Instagram with me. I can be found at medium.lady over there. If you have any feedback about today's conversation, you can head to the pink tile in my feed for the latest episode and we can always continue the conversation over there. If you like this podcast, please make sure to share a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you love this podcast, please share it on social media. Be sure to tag me so I can personally thank you for growing our community. Finally, be sure to follow this podcast wherever you're listening and make sure your notifications are on. Don't forget, you're doing such a good job. Bye.